One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. I'm trying to think here. Has anything happened in world sports since we last spoke on Monday? Oh, yeah, that's right. The Saudis took over golf. Messi turned down the Saudi cash in favour of the Apple dollars available in the US. And David Moyes reminded us that there is still some joy left in this horrible, (laughs) shitty, farcical world that we all live in. Yeah, he did. He bloody did on, didn't he? He did. Welcome to your Thursday Thursday taster menu. Will we start with that then, Murph? Do you want to start? Ah, on the come on. Why not? Okay, on? Why not? What a what Just a beautiful man it. he is. Whew. Explain the scenario here. We put out our Thursday pod late night Wednesday because Ken is traveling to Istanbul today for the Champions League final. The final segment of our late night podcast was recorded just moments after the West Ham manager had begun celebrating in style his first major trophy after more than 1,000 games as a manager. You know, when was the last time you saw a football manager? No, that's true. He's so overjoyed. Just yeah. delighted. It's incredible. It was it was an incredible moment. I mean, you just couldn't help but laugh as you as you watched it. It was you know and feel. Like I deserve this. Since I life. deserve. No, this. He did deserve. He did deserve it. It's been a. He did deserve it. It's been a long time. I saw someone pointing out. No, he actually won League One, and you're like, oh, no, it's not the it's not the same. It's his, you know, because 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 he's in a situation where you know if they lost, they're talking about sacking him. Well, surely they can't sack him now, because that run down the sideline was the greatest moment in West Ham history. <laughs> it was the best. It's the best moment in West Ham it's history. Certainly better you know, than I mean, the goal. You get these, yeah. It was definitely better than you the get these. You get these moments, you know, Jose had one at Old Trafford. Uh, Alex Ferguson also at Old Trafford with Brian Kidd. David Pleat uh, you know, at you, Main you know Road. I'm talking about Pleat. Of course. And these, I mean, it's it's literally, it's Pleat. You yeah, know, when yeah, you see it that, is, it's yeah, like... Yeah. <laughs> You know, a man who a man who hasn't run like this in a while. It's more pleat than Mourinho, Ken. It's he was a young man. M- yeah, because Mourinho... Yeah, and Mourinho was a young Mourinho man was back 40, in the day. Uh, you know? 41 years knees. old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought for a second David Moyes was going to pull a knee slide and he thought better of uh, it and went more David Pleat. He's, just he's, continually running. He's too experienced. He's too experienced for that one to, to try that kind of stuff. I mean, that could, you know, he'd be carted off to hospital as we speak. Uh, but it was great. It was, I mean, it was an awful game, really. 
uh, terrible stuff. Oh yeah, not um, another another oh god awful European final. <laughs> <laughs> These are apparently here. We have the high points of the season. It wasn't actually as bad as the one last week, but it wasn't great. But uh, you know, and I thought that uh, actually Fiorentina did also would, have the unseemly sight of the West Ham fans flinging their apparently very hard plastic cups. Well, those those cups, Fiorentina players. Those cups are, are are like I mean, you know, you know how hard they are, but they can be quite sharp. Uh, you know, and if if you know, in ter- I'm not saying the West Ham fans were sharpening them in the in the stands before hurling them down, but you know, I mean, if if one lands on your head, having been thrown from 15 or 20 meters up. Then, uh, well, I mean, it, it made a really nasty cut. Like, I mean, um, he was really bleeding. Um, and it was, yeah, it was terrible. So I guess West Ham are probably going to be playing their next couple of European games, which are going to be in the Europa League, probably behind closed doors with a sizable fine. Um, it doesn't really seem as though they care too much about that uh, at this point. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the kind of mania at the end was just, I mean, this is, I've never seen West Ham win a trophy. I mean, they did one win one did they win the FA Cup in 1980 I would I would yeah people were saying that it was their first major trophy but I mean have I just like completely you know uh, memory hold Trevor Brooking with Didn't a header Trevor Brooking win the FA Cup in in 1980 beating Arsenal yeah, yeah they beat Arsenal they beat Arsenal so um so in fairness uh, I was alive when that happened but I I did not watch the game and do not remember it this is the first time I've seen West Ham actually do it and uh, they really enjoyed it. They enjoyed it more than I can't remember the last time I saw a team enjoy winning a trophy that much. Yeah. Of course, there were shameful scenes. There were shameful scenes, and, you know? and I will say that the 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 end game, as in what happened in the immediate aftermath, I was like, I've never seen this before. And then I was like, Well, actually, I do see it most Saturdays if I wanted to in Temple Bar. Just you know, the world's biggest uh, stag do, basically. Oh, on, on the, the pitch. pitch. Yeah, yeah. Well. I should also say we're talking immediately on the full time whistle about a couple of minutes after. Who knows what's actually happened mm. since then? And basically, basically, you record something on a podcast now, and something overtakes it five minutes later. So there may well have been crowd trouble or something else since. This I hope God, I, I hope not. Oh, no. What a what? Who who would want to spoil the atmosphere like that with crowd trouble? The last one on the uh, on the uh, the pitch scenario. Jared Bowen <laughs> was being interviewed on BT Sport. I don't know if you were watching it on BT Sport, lads, but uh, he was being interviewed on the pitch. No, and. Uh, a fan ran up and he was shouting something I couldn't make it out but I was pretty sure it was obscene uh, and Jarbo was like leave just leave and then literally three oh, seconds later he was like to do it in front of these fans absolutely unbelievable <laughs> <laughs> it's like Jared we, we just know what fans. you actually thought just, of the fans you, you don't yeah, want yeah. them within two these inches of you but, uh, yeah they're, they're, from yeah, a distance yeah. these fans are the yeah. best oh, of man. Will... Brian Kerr I was just going to mention on, on uh, on Virgin was getting emotional I thought talking about David Moyes he was saying that Mo- Moyes is well respected by everyone in the game I had dealings with him unbelievable everybody will sort of be will, will appreciate what he's done here and how he must feel to finally win a trophy and you couldn't see Kerry you're going to talk he was talking over the scenes you're describing Murph and I uh, just thought, yeah, I thought it was quite, quite, quite striking. Of course, I've had personal. Well, you've had dealings with him, Moan. Yeah, what about your dealings? Well, I mean, this is the time. Well, the, the, same, the same as Brian Kerr. Dealings are. I've told you, we've, listen, we've talked before. We've talked yeah, on. But come on, this is your moment. Give us more. You can give us more now, This is your moment, You know, I too remember uh, David Moyes, you know? I told you about watching the bloody Man United match of the day when they came back against Southampton or something in the Solskjaer era with David Moyes. I couldn't help get the sense that Moyes was still somewhat bristling at, you know, 
how his own <laughs> tenure ended at Manchester United. See, this this is it, Ken, Maybe isn't it? Wasn't full full throated in his support of the Solskjaer project, mm. but listen, that that's that's neither here nor there. He's yeah, he's there now. Where's Ole Gunnar Solskjaer now? I ask you, talking about how he could have signed Erling Haaland for five million. <laughs> well, he didn't, Ole. And Moisey now has a yeah. trophy. This isn't about this isn't about <laughs> trashing Ole Gunnar Solskjaer tonight. On this is about celebrating David Moyes, one of the good guys, uh, a great career, which has had a real. A real high point. You know, really, you know, when you think about it, like, lose the game tonight, West Ham probably sack him. And he's kind of in this, in position where he's like, he, there's a pretty good chance he's going to finish his career without winning a single trophy. You know, notwithstanding League One. Uh, and the difference that that makes tonight, like the difference that, that it makes to actually do it. I mean, Mickey Mouse trophy as it may be. I mean, it is a big, we should have more of these Mickey Mouse trophies. These Mickey Mouse trophies are great. It's actually the the top trophies that are boring now. <laughs> the the yeah, Mickey yeah, Mouse yeah, trophies. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. It it doesn't matter that it's of no importance and the two teams involved are apparently not very good when you look at their, you know, domestic leagues and and so on. It meant it meant a lot and it was uh I won't say it was exactly a fun watch. It was a it was a, in the way of European finals uh, often it was a little bit tense. But it had a great ending, and it had honestly the Moyes, the Moyes run. I'm sorry, like, just I've Moyes literally just face. sent you a photograph of the Moyes run, and it is just so oh. beautiful. It's like it's like he's it's... skipping down the pitch. It's just so amazing. And Murph, the Moyes content has kept flowing since we recorded that bit. Have you seen him putting the medal around his dad's neck? Of course, I have on cried tear, cried tears of joy. You get bonus points if you can tell me the team that his father managed, where young David's. Love of football was nurtured. <laughs> Those bonus points will stay in your pocket, Old. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Drum Chapel Amateurs. Yeah, you can have heard those bonus points. Yeah. yeah, if you've ever heard him do deep dive interviews. I've listened to a lot of David Moyes deep dives over the years, or the couple wow. that he's doing anyway. And the Drum Chapel Amateurs always figure pretty strongly. So what a moment with him as dad. There was also Moyes banging out the proclaimers in the dressing room. <laughs> It just gets better and better. Or yeah. Better. Uh, the pro- the proclaimers, you can't go wrong, you know. There was something <laughs> just drunk uncle at a wedding about him, but also very Scottish as well. I mean, it was obviously the proclaimers, yeah. but just the way he was dancing, there was just... He was in tune with his <laughs> with his fatherland at that moment, I feel. I feel. I think we all needed that hit of pure joy after the news of the Saudi Public, public Investment Fund PGA Tour merger which has shook up the sporting world. We put out our pod on this yesterday after we'd... So but it was a late enough one yesterday afternoon because we were waiting around to hear if Rory McIlroy had anything interesting to say at his press conference and he had plenty to say in the end. So we might hear some words of Rory in here alongside our guests, Gavin Cooney and first, Lawrence Donegan. Oh my goodness. I, I, well, as a technical performance, uh, absolutely brilliant. I mean, he is so deft at these things. But uh, he looked dejected, mm. he looked defeated, he looked like a guy who had been completely shafted, which, of course, he, he has been. Uh, Rory's long moved in these circles, these billionaire circles, Jimmy Dunn, uh, this Ed Herley guy, who the two guys on the PG Tour board who negotiated this deal with Monaghan. He moves very easily in that seminal set. But those guys are, you know, they're, they're billionaires for a reason. They are almost sociopathic. They are, you know, they will kill their granny, as we say in Scotland, to to make a buck, and and he's he finds himself the victim of that mentality, and I I thought he looked uh, 
you know, pretty de- dejected. He did say he was a, felt like a sacrificial lamb. Absolutely. These guys made this deal behind closed doors, told no one, and they don't have to go and face the public uh, to explain it. Unfortunately for Rory McIlroy, he does. He, he was utterly used. Um, again, uh, he was asked, does he still have confidence in Jay Monaghan? There was only one way he could answer that question, but you kind of know what the answer is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he obviously he had to say the opposite of what he feels, uh, but my goodness, uh, you kind of feel... It's hard to feel sorry for Rory McIlroy sometimes, but my goodness, on this morning of mornings, I, I felt pretty sorry for him. Did you feel sorry for him, Gavin? Yeah, I did. He's been absolutely shafted, as, as Lawrence uh, points out there. Watching it, you just feel all the time that McIlroy is just such a reasonable man. I mean, he kept talking about if I was to take myself out of this, mm. this is what's good for professional golf. And the kind of there is a kind of sick or grubby pragmatism to all this that obviously how Jay Monaghan and other people involved went about this and went about the last year or so is highly, highly distasteful. While at the same time, it probably is a good deal for golf in the future. Um, and then I found it very grim right at the end when he was he was so resigned to this you know it's just a reminder that you know we've this show and you know lots of other shows have have covered sports washing and the involvement of nation states and other sports and there's always been a finger pointed at the sports involved and uh, almost like a like a morality play is just like you're too greedy you haven't been uh, you've been too lax in regulations but you know at the end of it all like if a major nation state has limitless resources and wants a PCU you can't do anything to stop it. Yeah, that's the way he... Uh, that was probably the, in response to that Joe Callan question. We played that earlier on. He really did just look so resigned and defeated at that point. There was a good line from Kevin Clark in The Ringer. He said, McElroy and the rest of the PGA loyalists learned a very valuable lesson about modern sports or modern life. If you do not sell out, someone will sell you out. Yeah, so how bleak is uh, some of modern life that is. And obviously the man who saw this coming was the man we probably, probably best place to see this coming. was That that was Donald Trump. Oh yeah, what did I he mean, say? I mean, he said this last year on, uh, well, the thing about Trump is like there's always a tweet <laughs> or, you know, a tweet's equivalent on Truth Social after you've been banned on Twitter for inciting an insurrection and an attempted coup. Uh, said that I hope, I think this was after Cam Smith won the Open, uh, that I hope all the, all the, the, the loyal golfers who stayed with the dis loyal PGA Tour aren't left regretting their decision I'm paraphrasing now I can't uh, yeah I've got exactly. it here I've okay, got it here go. from your all of those golfers that remain loyal in inverted commas to the very disloyal PGA will pay a big price when the inevitable merger with Liv comes and you get nothing but a big thank you from PGA officials it's kind of that's almost exactly how it's turned out you know the, the thing about Trump like there's always a tweet he generally predicts his own future behaviour uh, so he's, if he's predicting the behaviour of an, another entity safe to say that entity is, is as empty inside as Donald Trump is and I think that's uh, that's kind of ultimately what's happened with this story. Well, he has got something wrong there and I got it wrong at the top of the show as well. Trump said it's a merger with Liv or pre- you know, preface it, uh, had a premonition about it. I have used similar terminology but this theme kept coming up and we've spliced a couple of Rory clips together here. The, the one thing that uh, I think was really misconstrued last yesterday was, you know, all the ha- headlines were PGA Tour merges with Liv, and Liv has got nothing to do with this, right? I mean, it's the PGA Tour, DP World Tour, and the Public Investment Fund are basically partnering to create a new company. Um, you know, this has gotten, you know, I think that's where I was a little frustrated because all I've wanted to do and all I've wanted, you know, in the past year from basically this tournament is to protect the future of the PGA Tour and, pr- and protect the aspirational nature 
of, of what the PGA Tour stands for. Um, and I hope that this does that, but you know, I think with the headlines being merges with live, like that's not the, I mean, if you look at the structure of how it's structured down, this, this new company sits above everything. Jay's the CEO of that. So technically anyone that is involved with live now would answer to Jay. So, you know, the PJ Tour have, have control of everything. And the one thing as well is, you know, whether you like it or not, the PIF, we're going to keep spending money in golf. At least the PJ Tour now controls how that money is spent. You know, so I'd, you know, if you're thinking about some, you know, one of the biggest sovereign wealth funds in the world, would you rather have them as a partner or, the, or an enemy? Um, at the end of the day, money talks and you'd rather have them as a partner. But it's not live. I think that's the thing. I still hate live. Like, I hate live. Like, I, I hope it goes away. And I would fully expect that it does. Um, and I think that's where the distinction here is. This is the PJ Tour, the DP World Tour, and the PIF. Very different from live. All I've tried to do is protect what the PJ Tour is and what the PJ Tour stands for. And I think it will continue to, to do that. Um, so look, going forward, I hope that there's, you know, there may be a team element and you're going to see maybe me, maybe whoever else play in some sort of team golf, but I don't think it'll look anything like Liv has looked. And I think that's a good thing. I, I hate Liv. <laughs> it's like Rory should get those t-shirts printed at some point when someone else will come back. But yeah. just at that point, he's, he's trying to make, kept trying to make this distinction between Liv and the public investment fund. Liv's got nothing to do with this, he says there. I went back and looked at the statement, Lawrence. There were eight mentions of Liv in the statement, including yeah. lines like, PIF will initially be the exclusive investor in the new entity alongside the PGA Tour, Liv Golf and the DP World Tour. Like that statement, it read like an ad for the success of Liv Golf. So if Rory feels people have got the wrong end of the stick there, I think that might have been in the way it was communicated by the various parties. Well, well, I, I mean, I... <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing that would be a part of the uh, what the PIF wanted. I mean, to, and I, I mean, who cares about all this kind of you know corporate semantics? But the the fact is, the PIF, the Saudis have no interest in running a golf tour. They never had interest in running a golf tour. They're absolutely crap at it, as they've proved. Live golf is garbage. Nobody watches it. Nobody playing in it particularly looks like they care about it. Um, so what the Saudis wanted all along was a part of the PGA Tour, was to be partnered in some kind of way with the PGA Tour. The mentions of live in the statement, you know, whatever. But, I mean, I guarantee you, I, I, I'd go at the wall in this. There will be no live golf tour in 2024 because the Saudis are not interested in it. Uh, they, they want rid of it. They wanted, they always wanted that to be part of the, the PGA Tour. It's not actually a merger. And, and to be honest, you, you know, if you leave all the politics and the emotions to one side, this is actually a brilliant deal for both sides. It really is. You know, because the Saudis get what they always wanted. The PGA Tour gets, by the way, the more you talk around about, talk to people about this, the PGA Tour's kind of basically skint. They've spent they've spent all their money this year on, on all the reserves on these uh, elevated fields with these extraordinary purses. It was unsustainable. Somebody told me that they could maybe get to the middle of 2024 and they would be bust. So for them to get out from under this, you know, this crazy financial burden, to get out from under the crazy financial burden of the of the legal side of things, 
uh, is great for, from their perspective. Plus, you know, they'll get a bunch of money from the Saudis to do with what they will. The Saudis will never have a controlling interest in the PGA Tour. So obviously the uh, Al Ramian will be the chairman of the board, but the CEO and the power brokers will always be able to overrule him if push comes to shove. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's a beautiful summer's day. The breeze is stupendous. 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 Would this podcast be even more stupendous without ads? Without ads? Ads. If so, then join us for daily commercial free shows at secondcaptains.com for just five euro a month. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not bumping them up. I'm not Irish. I'm just saying my observations, they are amazing. Stupendous. It has been a pretty big story, the merger in Golf Murph, one that stopped us and a lot of other people in their tracks. So much so yeah. that yesterday's, the football pod that has gone out that I was talking about, that went out late night, much of that show and certainly much of that chat with Gabriele Marcotti and Jonathan Wilson ended up being about the Saudis' latest moves in the football world and what the golf merger potentially means in the medium to long term there. There is also, though, a Champions League final happening on Saturday, lest we forget. And I think a lot of people have probably forgotten. So we'll play you a clip here of Gabriele and Jonathan trying their very best to find some avenue which Inter Milan could take to victory in Istanbul on Saturday night, though neither sounded convinced. I think you've got a, a team that's mentally quite strong. You have a lot of you know, veterans who've kind of been there, done that. That can certainly play into it. Uh, as well yeah i mean you're right I, they, they they do seem fairly fairly well prepared um to be a, as good as they can be now obviously city needs to drop um let me throw another one out there we're all taking for granted that pep's not going to go and do something weird like dropping <laughs> rodri for the final or whatever but you know um i, I think i don't think he's going to do this but you never know. You know, what if he starts Alvarez? What if he puts Holland on the bench? Because, you know, Holland's enduring the worst uh, goal drought of his career. 
Uh, what, is what this is the, the worst? Actually, he hasn't scored in like four matches. Is it, does that make it the worst? Yeah, ever? like it's it, it's one of those totally bogus stats. Yeah, it's four matches, but then two of those were the ones at the end of the season where I think he came on as a sub yeah. um, and didn't start, and he went four matches. I actually went back and checked this. He went four matches without scoring for Borussia Dortmund. I think in his first season, I didn't go back to you know the Muppet League and yeah. Salzburg or whatever. But um, I don't think it's relevant in any way, shape, or form. Jonathan, the Pep, the Pep overthink that people have been waiting for all season isn't going to happen, is it? <laughs> well, the, the problem, yeah, I mean, this is true of all journalism. That you, you, when you look at something for long enough, you start placing far too much emphasis on tiny details. And one of the things you've got to actually do when you, you're really sort of specializing in a topic is step back and make sure you, you know, you're not looking at, not even the trees, but looking at the, the individual leaves on the trees. Mm. You've got to see the the, the wood. Um, but I was thinking, you know, maybe maybe he panics playing against the front two. Maybe he does what, yeah, the game against Lyon, that quarterfinal, when you, <laughs> everybody in the world looked at that and thought, well, City just turn up and win that. And then suddenly he looked at the lineup and thought, oh, what's he done? He's, he's playing a back three he's never played before. And he's terrified by the way Leon break. And maybe, maybe he looks at into his front two and thinks, oh, yeah, maybe they're a bit like Brentford. Maybe we've got to change this. Oh, no. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I guess I, no, the, the problem, the, the thing he will have to do, the, will he, the thing he will have to sort out is if he plays Stones as a, as a centre back, then Stones will not be able to step in midfield with the abandon that he's, he has been He's, he's surely not going to change the thing that has just absolutely steamrolled everyone for the last four months. I mean, that would be the, well, we, that would be the maddest thing yet. There's only one game since Stones started stepping in the midfield where they played against the front two, which was against... There's a game they won 4-1 Bournemouth. And Stones got replaced after 56 minutes of that game by Walker. Uh, so I think Stones must have been playing a, a, a right back in that game. Um, so there's no evidence for this. You can't have one of your centre-backs stepping in the midfield if you're playing against two centre-forwards. You just can't do that. Now, maybe Stones just sits deep. It's not a problem. It, maybe he plays it right back, but then I think you probably want Walker against DeMarco, given that DeMarco obviously is a, is a wing-back, so he's starting from deeper. Maybe you want... I think he probably would want Walker's pace. So, so that is just a little grid of doubt from which might come the oyster of... of uh, of overthinking and chaos. The oyster of overthinking and chaos is a good <laughs> Wilson line there. Yeah, I mean, they were kind of reaching for the possibility that Pep might horribly overthink this. That still doesn't mean Inter actually can take advantage of that. Uh, so there's a lot of things need to happen for Man City to not win this game on Saturday. And uh, I think that list is just a little too long. I just uh, Point number one is Pep dropping Haaland. And yeah, I the mean, signal that would send out. To Inter, and there are a lot of other points after that, whereby Inter would have to do a lot to win that game. Yeah. Ken yeah. is traveling to Turkey as we record, probably flying out around now. So Friday's pod will be a Ken Early postcard from Istanbul style show, which are always essential listening. I had a number of Budweiser. <laughs> yes, indeed. So for more of that, I had forgotten that sort of stuff tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, there have been a lot. There have been a lot of moments like that over the years. There really have. I mean, it, he has a one hundred percent success rate of something daft happening to him while he's every on time something abroad, daft so. happens, and every time people get onto us and say, did he just engineer that? Did, a, did he make this up? B, did he engineer it? Mm. But he couldn't have made up what happened in the... I mean, he would have been the, the best actor that has ever been seen to make up what happened yeah. in the Oasis 
back uh, back in Doha. But did he make it make this mad experience up? Did he engineer it so that it would happen? No. In almost well, in every case, he just he's got a great combination, kind of finding himself in weird situations abroad, but also having an incredible attention to detail that any great yeah, reporter leaning, has. Yeah, leaning into it in a major way. Yeah, yeah he yeah. leans into it. Mad stuff happens and he observes it and delivers. Listen, you know this. Even if you don't listen every week, every day, I should say, you know mm. what Ken's about when he's abroad. So get on that tomorrow. Controversy follow, follies him everywhere. It oh. does, as a wise Irish football man once said. Five euro a month plus fat. Sign up now. You'll hear all of the episodes ad-free as well. We've lots of the live. I was about to say the live story this week. Of course, it's not live, as Rory says. It has nothing to do with live. Live is dead. I hate live, <laughs> says Rory McIlroy. But the, the big, the big golf story. Lots of coverage of that already this week, and I'm sure probably more next week. Thanks for listening to this one. The Second Captain's podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Oh, and thank you, Kieran. And thank you, on. It's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports are important. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 